Do you want to communicate better across your distributed team? Are you looking for simple ideas to enhance communication in your team? Yeah, me too. Welcome to Team Up, a podcast where we talk about team-based primary care in British Columbia. I'm Sarah, a medical anthropologist and team member in the Innovation Support Unit in the Department of Family Practice at the University of British Columbia. And I'm Morgan, a family doctor and also a team member in the Innovation Support Unit. Communication as a team is key to working together. High-functioning teams really value communication between all the different roles. One thing that I have learned uh, very much is the communication with everybody is is paramount and not just for the staff, but the physicians and coming back and the clients, but as well what it really means to be collaborative and not just, you know, offering services and supports to the community, but within ourselves and our team. That was Elizabeth Cunningham, a team member from the Chickadee Maternity Practice, who participated in the Team Up webinar series at the end of last season. This is a great episode that sees the team members really reflect on how their team's been working and the role that communication has played in their success. We'll pop a link into that episode in the show notes if you'd like to learn more. I think the webinar really highlights how good communication can help in so many different ways. First, it can improve care, but it can also reduce frustration individually and across the team. And part of that is by, you know, it, it helps with the efficiencies in the sort of moving of how care flows through a team and a practice. And it improves your time off when you know you can trust that things are going to be followed up in the team. And, you know, I think we can all think of examples of how bad communication can derail everything and really do the opposite. We can all think of examples. Uh, for good communication, different teams do this differently. But some of the key features for effective communication include being clear and purposeful, including everyone, so not a lot of that back-channel conversation, making sure that people know the predictable response times, so what's urgent is responded to quickly and what's not might take a while, and you know that across the team. And that shared understanding is just so important, right? And we're going to be talking about a few examples in our Team Bits this season. If you haven't heard the last episode yet on Team Huddles, check that one out. How is communication different in distributed teams? What are some of the challenges? I mean, I can think of, you know, in distributed teams, informal communication is harder to maintain unless you kind of plan for it. Yeah, and that's the sort of the oxymoron of it, isn't it? You have to plan for informal chats. The hallway chat of, you know, hey, I just saw Gurpreet and this is what I did. That's much harder to do when you're distributed and you don't see the other person and know when there's those gaps. And also, I guess the kind of context and flow of days might be different depending on how you're distributed with, you know, different people working on different days and, and how that team might work together. So it's really important to have those check-ins to make sure that there's not kind of urgent issues that are happening when you're connecting across the team. Yeah, Sarah, you're totally right. I mean, in my, my clinic this week, people didn't know how busy I was. They could maybe look at the schedule, but they didn't know if I had a gap between two patients where they could interrupt me. It turned out I, I did, but nobody took advantage of it. Conversely, 20 minutes later, I was swamped, and then I got pinged uh, with a phone call, and you know, it was the middle of a patient visit. So it's so hard to judge those things if you don't have a good trigger to do that. And to remind everyone who's listening, Morgan, you work from a virtual practice with an on-site yeah. kind of shelter team, so really working in that distributed team model. And I work embedded within a community health center, 
where part of the team is, and then part of the team is in the shelter, and then I'm virtual at the same time. So there's all these different distributed components of our team. And I guess if people are communicating kind of asynchronously across all these different platforms, it can really get confusing. It can. And and our outreach shelter team, none of them have access to our clinical record, obviously. So they have to rely on a different tool, and I have to adapt to that. So yeah, it can get quite confusing. So I can see how important, you know, clear guidelines and that shared understanding again really would become here. And and if you didn't have those kind of guidelines, you'd also sort of have people reaching out and communicating at really weird times. Yeah, and and in weird ways. I had a phone call from a pharmacist because a patient who didn't know how to contact me reached out through their pharmacist who then phoned me with some clinical information. It was all I was totally unexpected and that instead of going through the clinic. So even with clear planning and thinking about things, there are these gaps when it's not one location, sort of one home, right? So how do you make how do you make all that better? I mean, I think that's really where we want to get to today. Mm-hmm. You know, within the clinical team, and we'll kind of we'll we'll not worry so much about the pharmacy down the road and stuff, but within your team, how do you make it better? And I guess I mean you can kind of create spaces for communication in any team, but it's probably almost more important for a distributed team. You have to make that more formal structure and space. And I think, you know, really clearly communicating how you communicate, what tools you use and where across the team. And something I think that we realized as a team, you know, we're not a clinical team, but we're a a fully distributed team. Um, And we have a number of different communication platforms that we use to support different kinds of communication. We realized that we got to a point where all of a sudden we had a, a broad range of tools and you never knew where to look for what you you needed. Yeah. I noticed for us it was like what you were used to was what you used. Yeah. And it got it got really confusing to go back and figure out where the information was, but also then what the expectation was to the person getting the information. And I think for us the key change and the key thing that really facilitated this process was realizing that we had to make it really explicit in our onboarding processes. Like at the beginning of having someone join the team, setting it out right at the start, how we communicate and what those different avenues are. And I mean, I think that for us really changed how how we're working. I think you're right. Now, what do you think when you think about this kind of communication coordination, what does it look like in a shared practice? So if you have two or three family doctors um, between doctors. Right. So we talked about this before, the different kinds of distributed teams. So in, in a shared practice, sort of distributed over time, between doctors who don't work at the same time, I think what's really important is that the handover happens for urgent issues in particular, so that you're really explicit. Here are the three people that I'm worried about as I'm stepping away on a Wednesday and you're stepping in on a Thursday. And whether that happens on the Wednesday at the end of day or the Thursday morning, as long as it's consistent so that everyone knows what to expect. That's the first thing to think about. And probably physicians do that pretty well right now. That, that idea of consistency is really important kind of across the team. But if you think about doctors and then how communication is happening with, with other team members, what's really important there? Yeah, so I think, you know, if, you're, if you assume that the team is more full-time, so if the, say, nurses on the team are working more, more like a full-time four or five days, and the, it's the physicians that are only there part-time, then consistency of process is really important. I know we all, docs can be pretty quirky, right? We all have these sort of individual things that we think are the most efficient way to do things. But to have a smooth team, you've got to agree on on how to be consistent. 
And so the world can't shift every time, you know, one team member starts on a Wednesday. It just it just it doesn't work for the rest of the team. So if there are differences, be clear about them, but try to keep them consistent where you can. And I guess that idea of kind of the team being full time, if you have a team member who is only, say, in the clinic a couple of days a week, like a, a social worker or an additional resource for the team, yeah. that same kind of thing would apply then really thinking about what that consistency looks like, being really clear with sort of how to reach out to people when they're not in clinic and, and what the expectations are around that. And the expectations about communication of, like, am I available on a day that I'm not working in the clinic? Right. You know, if if you're working in two clinics, maybe the agreement in both clinics is, yeah, you know what? Part of my time might be responding to urgent issues. But if it's truly a day off, it's got to be a day off. Th those sorts of norms are really important to, to set up across the team. So when you think about communication between between the, the, the team and, and providers, really that knowing who to talk to when... <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, when to update different team roles on, on patients throughout the day. Yeah. And then I think we haven't talked about it, but having that shared record where some of the, I, the plans and some of the options are articulated. So if people go, well, oh, if this happens, what should I do? Ideally, you know, there's one of those things you think might happen. It's in there. So uh, if this person comes back and presents with a worse fever, then consider an antibiotic. That, you know, that's a simple example, but those are really important to add when you've got a team. And then somebody can look at that and then go, oh, no, I think if you've got a fever, we need to get you to see a physician instead of a nurse who can prescribe, for example. So that's one of them. The other one is to pull in the daily huddles. Yeah, we always talk about the daily huddles. <laughs> yeah. And we just talked about it in the last episode. But, um, you know, if there's resistance, and often it's physicians, I'm going to you know, call up my colleagues here. It's often physicians that are resistant to taking the time for a huddle, but super important. So if, if there's resistance as a team member, just push for a huddle on the first day back. That can be, be the time to be most helpful in terms of catching up on certain changes or if there's anybody who's sick, things that I make sure that, you know, Dr. Price knows about this tomorrow morning. That's when you need to have a huddle to transition that information across, right? Mm. And then as a team member, you can you can ask, right? To be to be really, really proactive before the end of the day on the Wednesday before, you know, before the first doctor finishes for the week, you say, is there anything you want me to pass over to the next doc? Suddenly that becomes a really important conduit. Mm. And, you know, we've we've talked a lot about the team roles and the provider roles. And, and I know people who are in kind of more coaching roles for teams, also this this communication and how that's working becomes really important. Really working to encourage quality improvement action cycles where when a coach is supporting a team, mm -hmm. you know, coming in with ideas that a team can quickly try. Yeah. So I think all the things we've just talked about, a coach can facilitate trying mm -hmm. and encouraging the group to try them in a way that is not a permanent commitment, but is for the next three weeks, right. we'll do this and just see. So it's a small change and makes it as, you know, as a coaching mechanism. The other thing I wonder is that some coaches might actually offer to facilitate a few of the team huddles if they're comfortable to do that, because a huddle is a little bit different than like spending an hour long meeting. It's very action oriented. And if nobody in the team has done one before, Perhaps the coach could come in and model, facilitate the huddle process. And that would be a great role for the coach to play for a few team huddles, as opposed to a commitment for, again, for weeks or months. And, you know, thinking about when you're trying something new, that experience, that how to facilitate this team huddle so it's actually five minutes and doesn't become a 20-minute right. thing that then people don't feel like they can do 
again to really get that down for the first couple tries is just so valuable yeah it's like putting an agenda into a meeting and then people start to address the issue and you never get <laughs> the rest of the agenda the list of yeah so it's a similar right so thinking about bc right now and how so many of the mm -hmm. sort of primary care network resources are being implemented what does this kind of communication what do tips look like when we think about a pcn hub clinic so this is different, right? There's different than a shared practice mm -hmm. when we've really been thinking about a clinic. It is, I think it's easy for a, a hub clinic, which is how I'll call them, to think of themselves as a team, as opposed to a primary care team that is linked directly with the primary care office. And we talked about this before mm -hmm. too. I think that's the hard part about this is how do you bring in clear communication so that you're a team with more than one office when you're distributed in a hub model. And I think, you know, to be a team across the hub and, and the primary care clinic, you really have to restructure a bit. And so the first off is the hub structure. So you're working with the fewest number of primary care providers in as close to a teamlet as you can. So by that, I mean, like, if there's a nurse and a pharmacist, that they tend to support the same clinics together. Right. And, and then it's only a subset of the clinics and then the next nurse and, and pharmacist support another cluster of clinics. You're more likely to become a team then with the primary care providers in the clinics. So those, by creating teamlets in the hub that each provider would then be able to access, you'd really be supporting kind of the building of relationships that really is so central to team, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so by doing that, gosh, I mean, there's so many things I mean, it seems like it might be hard to do, and, and, and it would be depending on what your hub structure is like. But to try to create those teamlets is going to be the key way to start building that team and then figure out how to communicate between the office and the, the hub. So as a family doctor or nurse practitioner, do you have any ideas for, for how they can approach these sort of PCN hub structures as well? So it's not just you know, the, the hub working in teamlets, but what's the sort of flip side of that? It's changing of an attitude, I think. And to try not to think of the hub as a referral, right. as a referral service, right? If you start to think of them as team members who just aren't in the office, that you are the same team and you do things to work together. And we always say, you know, a team is working together on how you want to work together. That's so key here. And if you think of it as a referral service and, in, and instead of you know, picking up the phone and talking or having them come to the team huddle. If you don't do that, then you're not building that relationship up. So the first is to change a mindset. And then, especially at the beginning, reach out more often. I'm thinking about how the PCN resources have been slowly being implemented, right? So you have new team members who've slowly been added to this pool of resources. And you can really see how, you know, that you need to kind of make that intentional space to mm -hmm. then reach out and make that hub part of your team. Yeah. I, you know, I'm a big proponent of the warm handover. I always talk about, well, the best thing about being in a community health center is that I can open up the door of my exam room, look down the hallway and see if Sandra or Sarah, the two counselors, if their doors are open. And then in a moment of crisis with a patient, I can sort of say, I really want you to meet Sandra. Or I really want you to meet Sarah. And you create that relationship and you share that trust from me as the physician that maybe has known this person for a year or two to the counselor that they've never met before. That's so hard to do with a fax. Right. It's impossible to do with a fax. It's hard to do at a distance. So finding ways to do those virtual warm handovers from your office is 
also, I think, one of those big things for bringing the people together as a team. And that means having access to some sort of virtual care and a, and a process to connect in the moment. And if that's making sure you've got a camera on the computer in your exam room or something like that, I think that's a, another way to bring the team together from a distance. Even an old school speakerphone could work, right? <laughs> like, some kind Honestly, of way to, that helps a yeah. lot. <laughs> a speakerphone and a photograph <laughs> um, makes, you know, it's, it's a step in the right direction for sure. So as a coach, I think you can really, a great way to do this is getting them to try something like a quality improvement action cycle around case conferencing, which I know uh, you've mentioned, Morgan, or the idea of, of shared visits, trying something for a, a short period of time, then seeing how that will trickle down through other aspects of the team. I think if you do something small and really think about communication, it kind of becomes normalized, right? And I like both of those examples that you gave because both of them are related to a particular patient hmm. and they also provide a fair amount of face time between the team members. So I, I like both of those. They're also quite discreet, right? Trying to do a shared visit on a Thursday afternoon and if you can bring the PCN hub team member into the clinic for that. At the beginning when you're, the hub is just being set up, they may have more capacity and they won't have that four months down the road when they're full right. and everyone's used to having shared practice, but when they aren't used to being in a team, you have more capacity to go in and build those relationships and do those shared visits. So I love that idea. Today for our kind of call to action, there's so many small changes I think that can be made to really focus on communication across teams. And there's lots of tools and resources that can support communication that are great, that already exist. And we're going to include some links in the show notes. There's some great team huddles worksheets. There's a, some webinars from uh, the last couple of seasons that focus on specific tools. There's a communication module in team-based care on the run. And we'll put all of this in, in the show notes. Yeah, and I think we've said it in a bunch, think about team huddles, uh, but also think about some of the asynchronous platforms. We didn't really get into that today. But that's another thing to think about. Like, where do you message mm -hmm. uh, those semi-urgent things? I also think, where do you message the social connection things? And, you know, use right. that asynchronous communication platform to really work on enhancing those relationships in teams that are then going to feed into communication. Yeah, absolutely. It's about building that relationship. Maybe at your next team meeting or informally over whatever kind of chat mechanism you're using, reach out to the team, ask what could be improved. Maybe you could say, you know, what's one thing that we could try to do differently to improve in our communication? Can we try that for one week and just see what happens? I love that. Nice and practical. And if you don't have an internal social channel that includes all the team members, put one in. Another idea is, you know, if how you communicate isn't already included explicitly in your onboarding materials, that from our experience can be a really valuable piece to focus on. And as always, you know, feel free to reach out and let us know how this goes. You can email us at isu at familymed.ubc.ca and we'd love to hear from you. So before we go, I have a favor to ask. If you like this episode and you could think of somebody who might benefit from hearing it as well, please share that with that person. Thank you so much and we'll see you next week in the next episode.